tell you this, God is already at work to prepare the harvest. We just follow in his footsteps. The restaurants we choose, the gym you join, the Starbucks you frequent are not random choices or events in life. Each one, God is preparing and positioning you in his field for his harvest. So Jesus says this in John 4, 35. It says, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. Wherever you are in life, the Lord of the harvest is already and has already prepared the field and has you there for a specific purpose. Just lift up your eyes and see the harvest is ripe. It's the last message of this series. Um, every message has, has, a, has a purpose to it. If you noticed, if you've tracked with us, and this, this has a direct purpose today, which we'll get to in a moment, but we finished last week with the gospel, the key to the harvest. The gospel isn't a message about the afterlife. It's a message for the present life. And the Bible refers to this gospel as the gospel of the kingdom. This is very important to know when you think about the gospel of the kingdom. Look at Matthew 9, 35. It says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And look what followed. He healed every kind of disease and illness. Look at what follows preaching the gospel of the kingdom, my friends. Every kind of healing that's what happens when the gospel of the kingdom is preached. One of the clearest signs of the end time harvest is the understanding that the gospel that Jesus preached was not primarily a gospel of future salvation, but also a gospel of the kingdom of God right here, right now. And that kingdom always produces supernatural results. It's an invisible kingdom, why wouldn't it? It's an invisible kingdom right here, right now that desires to produce supernatural results. Like what's the purpose of, the, of, of, of a guy standing up here or a lady standing up here telling you things about the Bible what is the main purpose? What was Jesus' purpose? He was going into churches or synagogues and he was proclaiming what I'm telling you right now in order to change the minds of people. Their minds were thinking something totally different. And he came and says, no, 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 this is what the kingdom of the gospel is. It's, talk, it's going out and reaching people and healing people and seeing supernatural things happen. That's what the gospel, that, that, so they're like, huh, what? That, that's why it was so radical, you guys. But it wasn't just a gospel for future salvation. I know we think, well, one day, one day. No, 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 no. The kingdom is right here and right now. It's the beauty of it. When I was in high school, we had a project and that was to invent a product. And really it wasn't about the product, it was the, it was the packaging of the product. And so I, I thought, I'm gonna, make, uh, I'm gonna make cologne. 
And so uh, obviously I couldn't, I couldn't make cologne. I mean, it, it would have been, it would have blew up or something if I had made it. But, but what I did is I made this really cool package, the pyramid package, and the top would open up and inside was this really cool uh, bottle that uh, you would pull out that was a cologne. The only problem was the, 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 the bottle was water. It was really, there was nothing, nothing in it that, that, had, that could do anything to help stink, <laughs> you know, maybe wash it off. But, but, the, but the box was cool, but really there's nothing inside. And the kingdom gospel of Jesus is our main selling point and our main product because the kingdom gospel has something inside. It has power and by the way, that's inside of you. It has power to do the things that God's called us to do and wants to do on this earth. Deliverance and healing comes and it counteracts the hopelessness that has somehow infiltrated the church over time. And this hopelessness has caused us to give up our role, here we go, as ambassadors, say ambassadors, of God's kingdom and even back away from the world and retreat behind the four walls of our churches. Say ambassador again. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're an ambassador. Be careful how you say that. You're an ambassador. See, when we are reminded of who we are, then we will have the confidence to bring the kingdom gospel to this earth. 2 Corinthians 5.20, look at this. We are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ, the anointed one, to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf, turn back to God and be reconciled to him. That's the gospel right there. Let me remind you for a moment, not just what you have, but who you are. This is very important. An ambassador is a dignitary, an extremely important person whose full-time job is to live for a period of time, usually years, in a foreign land. You know, this really isn't our home. Right? When you become a Christian, this really, that, that, that's why you struggle so much in life. You're like, man, I just, it, something's not working here. I don't know why. I don't really want that stuff. I don't want, I just don't want it. You know what that is? That's because this isn't your, this isn't your home. That's why you're struggling. It's okay to struggle. That's what Paul said. He goes, I do what I don't want to do, and I don't want to do what I do. Like, he's like, I'm struggling because you are not from this earth. But they live in a foreign land. Listen, intentionally, this is what an ambassador does, intentionally building relationships with the people of that land and purposely showing them the desires of that king. That's an ambassador. An ambassador is a dignitary. A dignitary is a person considered to be important because of high rank or office. Now, if the U.S. were to send a foreign to a foreign country, an ambassador that had absolutely no authority, no knowledge, no rank at all, then it would end in failure. 
no one would take them seriously, would they? And really, it's similar for us. Whether we realize it or not, we are all dignitaries of our king. Very important people on this earth. We are children and heirs of the most high God. We are his chosen children. I'm not sure if there's a higher rank other than God himself. So let me just, uh, let me just speak to you and who you are for a moment. Just receive this. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You are the light of the world. You are chosen by God who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You have a compassionate heart, a kind heart, humility, meekness, and patience. You are God's workmanship created in Christ to do works that he was already prepared for you to do. You are a new creation in Christ. You are seated right now in heavenly places. You are a king's kid. Right? I'm just trying to change your mind. I'm trying to change your thinking about how the enemy tries to, tries to tell you you're not an ambassador. He, we, I wake up every morning, he tries to convince me you're, I'm not an ambassador, that there's nothing special about me. Come on, you, you too, right? So we have to combat that. So no, 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 I'm in a very, very important, critical uh, person. It's, very, it's critical that I'm here in this time to reach the certain people that I can only reach and you can only reach. We're a critical piece of that puzzle. Well, I can keep going and tell you who you are, but that's just a glimpse you need to know that. You are a very important person in his kingdom, an ambassador to God. And that should cause us to hold our heads high and to go into the harvest with confidence and power. So the message of the kingdom is praying for people now, healing people now, deliverance now, encouragement now, serving now, giving now, and going now. Yes, going now. Say going now. <laughs> See, the harvest will be reached when we go. <laughs> when? When? Mark, Mark 16, 15, look at this. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Notice he didn't say go into only the churches and preach the gospel. By the way, Jesus did that. But, but just don't go into churches and preach the gospel alone. No, go outside the church and preach the gospel. I think that we've got more gospel in the church than we've got outside the church. Let me say it again. I believe that we've got more gospel in the church than we do outside the church. You guys hear what I'm saying? There should be more happening outside. Uh, most of the miracles of Jesus happened outside the church, you guys. So the church is, is a training ground. It, it, it is, your purpose is to come to church regularly. Say regularly. <laughs> That's so important. Especially as you see the last days approach. Come to church regularly because you know what? You know what happens? Is that you're encouraged and trained to do the work of the ministry. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, look at this. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. Why? Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. 
the church, you are the hope of the world. I train, you go. I go too. I evangelize. I, I, I do the same thing you do. Wherever I go, there's always an opportunity to preach the gospel. It's happening all the time in my life. But, but I train and you go. We train and then we go to work. See, the church is only as strong as you. Not me. No. The church is as strong as you. Right? That's awesome. That's awesome, pastor. That's awesome, evangelist. That's amazing, prophet, teacher. Come on, apostle. I'm talking to you. Getting a little excited up here, man. See, and a larger church consists of smaller churches for training. This is very important. Those smaller churches are the people you train with. Jesus had a small church of 12. Do you know that? He had a small church of 12. Do you know, and that's who he trained with on a regular basis. And those, those 12 reached 70 and those 70 reached more. But, but the truth is every single one of us has a, has a small church, people that we're around, that we're doing life with, who are those 12 people that you do life with? That's your little church. That's the church on the go. Say go. But many haven't responded to the gospel because they haven't heard the word go. Are we just hearing our name and not his command? Are we just hearing that we are the apple of his eye, but not seeing the hurting and loss too? I don't know about you, but my kids don't respond as well until I give them a command. <laughs> Levi, you know what he's gonna say? What? And if I don't give a command, he's like, well, I guess he doesn't want anything. I guess he doesn't want anything. Anna Lynn, what? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I need you to go. Thank you. I need you to go and clean the cat litter. I need you, amen, that'd be a miracle. I need you to go and, you know what I'm saying? There has to be a command that is heard. And God's already given it. See, you'll never know until you go. You'll never know until you go. But here's, listen, they'll never know unless you go. They will never know unless we go. I'll never forget the first time I went to evangelize. First time I went to evangelize. Um, brand new Christian and uh, got plugged right into a church. And they said, hey, uh, we have an opportunity for you. We're gonna, we're gonna go out, take, uh, you know, whoever wants to go, we're gonna go around uh, our streets and we're gonna bring light bulbs 
and the gospel, light bulbs and the gospel. So yeah, because everyone needs a light bulb. There's usually a light bulb out in the house. So we bought a bunch of light bulbs and we, we, we carried it. We went, to, we went to knock on the door and said, hey, how you doing today? Hey, we want to know if you need a light bulb. If you have any light bulbs that are out. We want to give you a free light bulb. And then, and then we, we gave him a light bulb and said, oh, one more thing. We are, we're keeping a list. We're praying for as many people as we can and keeping a list of people that need prayer so that we can pray for them. Do you have any needs that you need prayer for? And I'm telling you, there wasn't one person who rejected that. Matter of fact, many of them said, can we come in and pray with you? I mean, it was amazing what happened when we just simply would go. Now, I'll tell you, be honest with you, I was scared to go because, because I'm like, what do I do? I've never done this before. I'm apprehensive. I've never gone door to door with the gospel. It was so simple. Give them a light bulb and see if they need prayer. And there were times when we came in, we got to pray for the whole family. We got to lead people to Jesus. It was incredible. See, they're out there waiting. We just need to see who God is illuminating, but we need to go. But here's what they look like. Please hear this. They're broken. How do I know if they're illuminated? They're broken, but open. They're hurting, but hungry. They're trapped, but tender. They're ready. Jesus gives this story about the urgency of the harvest. The master sends the servant out to deliver invitations to his banquet, but the people reject the invitations. They all make excuses. And look at this in Luke 14. I love this. I mean, it's a sobering verse. The, the servant reported back to the host and told him of all their excuses. So the master became angry and said to the servant, go at once throughout the city and invite anyone you find, the poor, the blind, the disabled, the hurting, and the lonely, and invite them to my banquet. When the servant returned to his master, he said, sir, I've done what you've asked, but there's still room for more. So the master told him, all right, go out again. And this time bring them all back with you. Persuade the beggars on the street, the outcasts, even the homeless urgently insist that they come in and enjoy the feast so that my house will be full. You ever heard that before? In one version it says, compel them to come in. And if you look at that word, it means force. We're not to be forceful, but let me tell you something. We're a force. Oh my goodness. It's not, listen, it's not may the force be with you. The force is with you. <laughs> it's not may the force, but no, no, the force is with you. God himself lives in you. And the truth is too, going out to reach the harvest requires risk. Come on. We weren't created to live a safe life. See, if we pursue safety and security, then we will become stagnant in our faith. That's really easy. Jesus said, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves into seemingly difficult, uncomfortable situations to reach people. But here, listen, truthfully, look at Once you get there, you'll be pleasantly surprised. Because what I found out is the world really doesn't have a problem with Jesus. They just have a problem with religious people. 
And I say religious people in the sense that people that, that may talk the talk but don't walk it, they don't really want to do anything with their religion. And so what, what we want to do here is we want to put our money where our mouth is. We want to actually do what God tells us to do. But they don't have a problem with Jesus. They don't. I, I found that. I didn't have a problem with Jesus, but I had a problem with people who tried to maybe force me to, well, don't do this and do this. I mean, I, I get it, but you know what? No, no. We're just a force of God's love and passion and mercy. That's who we are. But people don't have a problem with Jesus. They just have a problem with religious people. You know what? And religious people have a problem with Jesus. Right? So I always know when I'm, when I'm, when I'm reaching, when I'm talking to someone and, and, hey, let's talk about Jesus. No, I don't want to talk about Jesus. Let's talk about church. Let's talk about what I'm doing. See, the harvest will not be pretty, but... And it will not be safe, but it will be incredible because it will include everyone, the wealthy and the poor, the doctor and the drug addicted, the mentally strong and the suicidal, the oppressed, the pornographer, the alcoholic. That, my friends, is our world. But a little side note here, just stay away from critical, analytical, and political. I should put an R in there. It'd be a good acronym. It's CAP, um, critical, analytical, and political. Listen, just spread the gospel. I love how that video ended. Yeah, someone called me up, wanted me to come to church, and I went, and guess what? His life was changed. Very, very simple relationship, prayer, God loved them. Because my political views cannot transform a life, but Jesus can. So let me finish by just really quick by giving you a few tips. Let me, can, I, can I give you some quick training to encourage you? No? Let's finish the service right now. Um, Matthew 4, 19 says this, look at this. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. You heard that? I'll make you fishers of men. I'll show you how to fish for people. So I realize we are in the middle of frozen lake, so let's go ice fishing for a moment. Um, ice fishing dudes are just way different. They are, I, I don't even get them. I don't understand it. I, I went once, I think, what are you doing out here? Why are you here in this cold place? And I get it, you're just different. God bless you. But little did you know, I have gone fishing before. Maybe not done a lot of hunting or any, <laughs> but I've done some fishing. And I've done enough to give you the basics because I believe that's all the harvest needs is the basics. Let's not complicate things, just the very basics. So let me give you some basics really quick. If you wanna catch people for Jesus, you've gotta, this is really simple, you've gotta put the bait on the hook. Right, right? You've got to just remember, so just say it. Say, say, put the bait on the hook. There should be a put there, but maybe we can do it. Put the bait on the hook. Put the bait on the hook, right? Something we do. Pretty simple, right? True? In other words, you have a gift. You are a gift. You are the bait. <laughs> what you have is the bait. The gift that you possess, what's in your hand? What is the obvious thing? What are you good at? What's your calling? What, what shouts in your life? What is it that you do that makes you special and unique? 
You might have a leadership ability. You might have a, a hidden talent. There's something you do that, that, that people see like, oh man, so-and-so so good at that, right? Do not disregard that. That is bait, my friends. That's bait. That's bait. Oops. <laughs> my side note, Rich thought I, my, my neck was hurting because this collar goes up really high um, if, you, if you noticed it. So anyway, this little side note. So keep scra- keep scratching this. So he's laughing back there. <laughs> I'm gonna get you five of these for Christmas. Um, Paula Dean, you know Paula Dean? So she had a love for cooking, right? And a gift for cooking. So how she started was, she goes, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna make some things for, I'm gonna, and I'm gonna bring them to uh, an office complex to see if they want them. That's how it started. That's how her whole life started, by simply doing what she loves and what she was good at and bringing it to people. We just gotta get our gift out of the box and put it on the hook. You ever realize that the fish don't go out and get the worm? I did, (laughs) that squiggly thing. I will put the worm or the bait on the hook. I do that. So here's a few ideas that you could put on your hook. Acts of kindness. These are things you already possess in your box. You've got a smile. You've got a pen to write something, a card. You have a shovel. Maybe it was used for something else, but now you can shovel snow. (laughs) A cell phone, some cash, coffee, a hug, forgiveness, love, you, your freedom, your gifts. That's the bait on the hook. And by the way, you also have a story. You have a story to tell. You have something in your life. You have some story that you have or you've heard to give to someone else to encourage them. I think we should be blanketing social media with our story. It's, it's actually, if you think about it, I don't know why people are fearful. It's really non-threatening. I mean, you, you just, I'm gonna put it out there. You know, yeah, I know, you're, you're probably gonna get a lot of encouragement just to let you know. You have a story. How has God changed you and, and what has he done in your life? You have a story of God's good goodness. And even if you think you don't have one, you can give someone else a story. I can give Maria's story. She doesn't have to, but just the other day, Maria, Maria is, is she, she always goes fishing. She's, a, she's an evangelist at heart. Let me, let me stop it, Rich. I'm gonna pull my collar down. Um, she, she's, a, she's just a walking evangelist. She's always ready to preach the gospel. Well, she walks into the store, sees someone that she knows, and, uh, and, and goes up to her and, and has a conversation where finds out that this person needs prayer, prayer for her dad and her family. Well, Maria will pray right there, but she also gets invited to the home. And long story short, she goes from store into this person's life to the person's home and leads the family to Jesus. Right? Pretty, pretty simple. Pretty simple, the bait was on the hook, right? The bait was on the hook. 
She had kindness, she had compassion, love, she had prayer, pretty simple. We have a little bit of a challenge at the, at the end of this uh, um, message that, that we wanna give you. It's called 100 for 100. I'll tell you what it is in a moment. And we'll come up in a moment and explain. Um, but listen, what's your bait? What do you do? What are you good at? Don't, don't try to be good at what they're good at. Be good at what you're good at. And take that thing out into your sphere of influence. Amen? Matthew 5, 16 says this. Let your lights so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. In other words, when you put your baits on the hook, people see it. Come on, right? Say, put the bait on the hook. Come on, there you go. Woo! Thank you, my, my brothers. Put the bait, and then listen, this is, this is so so profound. Put the bait on the hook. Put the hook in the water. Buzz. Just put the hook in the water. Right? In other words, give your gift. Give it. Give it. You have a gift. Now give it. This is where most people get stuck. We have a gift, but we are reluctant to give the gift. Not to make you feel guilty, but God was not reluctant to give his greatest gift, his one and only son. So whatever you're good at, just give it. I was into music early on and in and, and ministry, and I was playing guitar and, and leading worship, and a young man comes to me one day. He's probably 12. Pastor Dan, will you teach me how to play guitar? And by the way, man, my plate was full and then some. Like I was just, just full. And I thought, oh man, um, yes, yes, I will. So I met with him and, uh, and we, 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 I, I gave him some, some challenges and he began to learn to bay, play guitar. And uh, all of a sudden today, I find out that he is also leading worship. He is uh, on a worship team. He is growing like crazy. He plays multiple instruments all from one moment of saying, yep, come on in. Let's meet for six weeks. I'll show you how to play chords. I'll show you how to play a song. And out of that comes this. You guys, Proverbs 18, 16. I love this verse. Look at this. Would you like to meet a very important person? Take a generous gift. It will do wonders to gain entrance into his presence. Do you know who is really important? Everyone. Everyone is so important to God, everyone. You wanna gain access into someone's life? Bring them a gift. Just give it. Because when you give your gift, you just put the hook in the water. I love sports. 
So I coached for a couple years. Rich won't even look at me as one of his assistant coaches. He thinks I'm not good enough, but <laughs> no. Guy named Kirby was on the team. He was one, he was about 13, 14, uh, guy on the bench, didn't play a lot. But he was there and remember one day he hurt his knee really bad and he thought, man, I don't know if I can play. And so I drove him home and I said, I just one, I said, I said a quick prayer. I said, let me pray for you, buddy. Prayed for him, really quick prayer. And by the way, I, I was coaching. I wasn't preaching the gospel. I was just coaching, right? So, but that was an opportunity to give him prayer, a gift. And this was outside of, of the, as, as, as I'm taking him home, pray for him. Now, the crazy thing is, a few years later, I'm in church, and guess who comes in? Kirby. Kirby comes in. And he knew where to find me. And he came in that day, and he gave his heart to Jesus. Amazing. I said, wow, that one little gift of prayer turned out him coming to church all by himself because he, he needed help. And that day he gave his heart to Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Yes. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain. That's too high. Bad Jesus Christ. Tell it. Now, let me, just, let me just tell you something. Maybe not in Buzz's case, because Buzz is the master fisherman, but, but some fish just aren't hungry. They're not always hungry. I noticed that. I remember putting a big, fat, juicy worm on a hook, seeing a big old fish right below me, putting that worm right down by that fish's mouth, and he wouldn't eat it. I said, what? I would eat that worm, so juicy. <laughs> but he didn't eat it. I was amazed that the fish didn't want it. Right in front of him, he just wasn't hungry. You know what I did though? Just kept fishing. Just keep fishing. Just keep giving. Be ready to tell your story and put the hook in the water. And lastly, as we finish up, now remember, you gotta put the bait on the hook. You gotta put the hook in the water. But here's a really, really important thing. You gotta put the hook in the right water, in the right water. And just looking at Buzz here, Buzz has got some lakes that probably nobody else knows about. Only he does. He, you hear the stories, man, I caught 70 today. You know, I caught, you know, like just, just plethora of fish that come into his life. But listen, put the hook in the right water. It's where the fish are. Fish aren't in a pool. Why would you go fishing in a pool? Well, unless it's my pool growing up because I remember we let it sit for about two or three years. Man, that thing was green and had like frogs in it. I don't know how fish got in there. Seriously. We learned our lesson. Yeah, it was gross. We had to clean it out. It's, it's where the fish are. Please hear this, where the fish are. The church is a great place to practice. Most of the fish are out there. They're out there. Bring people to church. It's awesome. We should do that. But most of the fish are right out there, outside these four walls.
fish. You, you, you know, you, you know where your, your water is? Where you are. Where you are. That's where your fishing hole is. That's your fishing hole. Your fishing hole is where you are in life, where you go. You don't have to bring me to your pond. I got my own pond. Your fish are where you are because that's where your fish are. Jesus comes into town one day and sees Peter and his business partners frustrated and tired. They were fishing all night and caught nothing. So Jesus asks Peter if he could use his boat for a few minutes to teach. Peter says yes. And as we finish up, look at this story, Luke 5, 4 through 8. Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he'd finished, he said, hey, Peter, now you row out to deep water to cast your nets and you'll have a great catch. Master Peter replied, we've just come back from fishing all night and didn't catch a thing. If you insist, we'll go out again and let down our nets because of your word. When they pulled up their nets, they were shocked to see a huge catch of fish so much that their nets were ready to burst. They waved to the business partners in the other boat for help. They ended up completely filling both boats with fish until their boats began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this astonishing miracle, he knelt at Jesus' feet and begged him, go away from me, master, I'm a sinful man. Do you realize what's gonna happen when you put the bait on the hook, put the hook in the water, and put the hook in your water? You know what's gonna happen? You're simply gonna start reaching people for Jesus. You're gonna get on you and say, oh my goodness, how come I haven't done this 10 years ago? This is amazing. It's amazing. I'm catching fish. In one version, Jesus says, fish on this side. In other words, fish over here in the right water. And I love it that he says deep water because the truth is it takes a little risk and there's no risk without, there's no reward without risk. There's no reward without a little risk. So you're a powerhouse of God's love. Let's go out and reach the harvest. They don't really care that I go to church. They don't care if I listen to Christian music. They just wanna know that I care for them. That's it. They just wanna know that I care for them. So, you, you're the bait. Your testimony, your life, your smile, your prayer is the bait. And I hope right now you're thinking of one, two, five people that you know are, they, they just need hope right now. And God is saying, that's, that's your pond. That's where the fish are. That's the right water. That's the right water, amen?